The All In Podcast Show, episode number six, with your host, Daniel Giordano. The All In Podcast Show is home to the top entrepreneurs, innovators, and world changers sharing their breakthrough moments and how they are changing the world. We will bring mentors into your world who can help you find balance and build a bold life of excellence. With your host, Daniel Giordano. Get off the sidelines. Get all in. And join us at www.allinpodcast.com. Okay, I want to welcome everyone to the All In Podcast Show. And uh, today, um, I just want to start off with this simple question. Why would anybody in his right mind want to jump on a sled and hurl himself down an icy mountain at over 80 miles per hour? <clears throat> at the age of 21, Ruben Gonzalez took up the sh- sport of luge and started training for the Olympics. Four years and a few broken bones later, Ruben made his Olympic dream come true. But he didn't stop there. Ruben kept training, and at the age of 47, he was competing against 20-year-olds at the Vancouver Winter Olympics. Ruben's the first and only person to ever compete in four Winter Olympics, each in a different decade. Ruben Gonzalez is one of, uh, one of America's most popular speakers. Ruben's best-selling book, The Courage to Succeed, has helped countless people achieve their goals and dreams. Get ready to be inspired and go for the gold. I'm proud to present four-time Olympian Ruben Gonzalez. Ruben, I, I want to welcome you, brother, to the call here, and uh, I am fired up to share your message with the world. Uh, I'm excited to do this. Uh, uh, I've heard great things about your podcast, and so uh, just being part of it is, uh, is a treat for me. That's awesome. So, so I definitely have to ask you, you know, because luge is probably one of the sports that I would never do. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it, it definitely takes a certain uh, certain type of person to, to to put themselves in that position. But looking at that, it, it just seems like such an adrenaline rush when I watch it. I went back and watched some of your clips, and and uh, you know, I definitely have watched the sport over the years, and you know, and watching the Olympics. But what's it like to hurl yourself down a mountain like that? <laughs> you know what i I didn't get started till I was twenty one. And so most guys that, <clears throat> that do the luge, they start, they start when they're 10 years old. You know, 10-year-olds, are, they're bulletproof. They're not afraid of anything. But I was scared to death. In fact, I white-knuckled it for 25 years. I did it in spite of the fear. And it wasn't until the last two years that somebody taught me how to get over the fear. And so uh, you're, you start up at the top. You're 50. The, the top of the luge track is 50 stories up the mountain. That's way up there. And you're going to be flying down that mountain at 80 or 90 miles an hour. And on some of the curves, you pull up to six G's. And uh, people always ask me, (laughs) they always think that all we have to do is hold on and pray, right? Because they think it's a water slide. But it's not like that at all. It's more like a race car. You have to drive. uh, And whoever has the best lines is going to have, uh, you know, the better times. That's awesome. So, you know, so talk a little bit about, uh, you know, how you decided to get involved in that. Well, you know, you know, Dan, um, I, I was always the last kid picked for PE. Uh, I, it, it was awful. I, I, I didn't know that they had a bench for for um, for kickball, but they had it when I was around. <laughs> <laughs> so I was slow. I was never a fast athlete. And so uh, I always had an Olympic dream, but it was a pipe dream because I figured if I can't play school sports, I'm definitely not going to make it to the Olympics. But when I was 21, I saw Scott Hamilton, the, the figure skater, win the gold medal at the Sarajevo uh, Olympics in, in uh, 1984. And he's about five feet one, weighs about 110 pounds. 
And, uh, man, when I saw him, I thought, if that little guy can do it, I can too. I'll, I'll be in the next Olympics no matter what. I just got to find a sport. And I picked the luge because I thought, you know, it looks like a lot of broken bones. Maybe it'd be a lot of quitters. I just won't quit. And so I used perseverance to, 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 to make it. Uh, I went in with the mindset that a broken bone is just a temporary inconvenience because bones heal and I'm coming back, baby. And so um, a lot of what I talk about in my presentations and in my books is about uh, developing that mental toughness, that I will until attitude, right, that gets you through life struggles because it's not going to be easy. It's, it's success is hard. Absolutely. So so in in, you know, and then you started off with this, which I think is awesome that that there is a fear there still, but you just push through it. Um, and. Uh, you know, I think that there's uh, there may be times in life where, you know, many people that are listening to this, that, that, you know, that the fear so overwhelms them that it stops them from pursuing their dreams, as you may well know, and, and sharing with the audiences that you share uh, and pushing through and breaking through that. So ha- have there been times where you were, um, uh, you know, at, at, you know, I want to call it like you're, maybe there was a, a fear or a lowest point in your, you know, when maybe in your Olympic trials or, or in your journey with this that have, um, uh, you know, just from you looking at it from a perspective of, of it may have been a lowest point in your journey. Has there ever been a downtime? Oh yeah. You know, whenever you get hurt, that's, uh, in, in any sport, you know, whenever you get hurt, uh, it could be a pulled muscle or, or, you know, just something that keeps you from playing at your, at your peak. Uh, you'll, you naturally get down, right? Um, and, and you start feeling sorry. It's like, why me? Right. And you got to get over that stuff really quick. Um, in fact, uh, one thing that, that this boxer told me one time, he said, a good friend of mine who, who, uh, was a welterweight boxer, he said, you know what? In boxing, uh, if you get knocked down, you got 10 seconds to get up, right? If you get up in 11 seconds, you just lost the fight. And so you, you've got to be resilient. You have to bounce up really quick. And so, Ruben, from now on, think of yourself as a boxer. When life knocks you down, get right back up. Do whatever it takes to get back in the game. And what that helps with as well is uh, you don't lose your momentum. You know, if you stay down too long, you lose your momentum. And you got to work 10 times as hard just to get back to where you were before. And so uh, to, to give you an example of uh, a, a low point, um, I, I was – I was uh, uh, getting ready for a, a World Cup race in, in St. Moritz in Switzerland uh, years ago. And and I was doing okay on that track, but I was having a few just minor minor problems on curve 13. And so uh, so I went down to curve 13 and I watched the, what, what the top guys were doing. I, I, I went for two hours and I watched them zip by. Uh, I was watching the Italians and the, and the Germans and uh, the, just the top guys. And every time somebody zipped by, you know, on the luge, I – I said to myself, I just mumbled to myself, right? I didn't realize I was doing this. I'd say, uh, man, I can't believe I do that. I can't believe I do this. I can't believe I do this. And I must have said it 20 times in that two hours. And the next day when, when I, when it was my turn to go and I'm coming down the sliding down, when I got to that point, curve 13, my mind reminded me, that's right, Ruben, you can't do that. And I, uh, I froze. I forgot to steer. And I had my worst crash ever, broke my foot, broke my hand, totaled my sled. And this was uh, about a year and a half before the Salt Lake City Olympics. And so uh, I couldn't afford to buy another sled. And I got into a big pity party for about three days, which is really long for me. And uh, But I'll never forget, halfway back over the Atlantic on, on my plane back home, I, I got my head straight. I said to myself, hey, bones heal. That's no big deal. 
you know, and uh, maybe I can't afford another sled, but I can borrow one. And so as soon as I got back home to Houston, I made it a point to go to the gym the next day. And even though I had a couple of casts on, at least I was back on the horse. Right. And so mentally I was back in the game and I just started calling all my luge friends and asked, you know, asked them if they had an extra sled. And a guy from New Zealand lent me his sled. And that's what I ended up qualifying and competing in the Salt Lake City Olympics with. So there's always a way, you know, if you get your your, your head straight, there's always a way. And, um, and, and, you know, another thing that comes to mind from that question you asked, uh, fear, you know, a lot of times, you, you, obviously, everybody that's listening to this has, has heard uh, false evidence uh, appearing real. That's what F-E-A-R is. But uh, that doesn't make the fear feel any less. But a lot of times, if you have a mentor or a coach that has been around the block and, and you know, he's already done what you're trying to do, uh, what you fear, if you tell them about it, they might just give you a solution that's a piece of cake. Um, when I got started speaking, I had a, a, a speaker coach. And the first thing he told me was, uh, you know, Ruben, I don't care if you're a 10-time Olympian. Unless you write a book, no one's going to take you seriously because an author is considered an authority of a subject. You wrote the book on it. I mean, he just went on and on. And I told him, I can't write a book. I made C's in English. See, I had that mental block, right? I thought just because you're a C student, you can't write a book. And he said, hey, you got a great story. You write your book. We'll give it to a bunch of A students. They'll clean it up for you. I said, man, I didn't think about that. He said, yeah, it's called editing. So shut up and sit down. So a lot of times just talking to someone that, that's done what you're trying to do uh, can take care of a lot of the fear. And usually fears, what holds people back is that fear of the unknown and fear of uh, uh, fear of the unknown and, and just fear of, of, of what if. Right. And uh, and coaches can really help you with that. Absolutely. So you, you touched on a couple of things there, but. um uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking the, the main thing about what you were talking about there when you when you had your worst uh, crash there uh, of, you know, um, obviously you turn things around fairly quickly, even with in, injuries. But, you know, how did visualization play into that? You know, vis- visualization is huge in, in every sport. Um, uh, even before my well, before every run, before every lose run. Uh, about the 10 minutes before it's your turn to go, you, you close your eyes and you take those lose runs in your mind and you're vividly imagining exactly what you're going to do every single part of the, of the track. And, um, and you, uh, you see it, it's kind of like previews of coming attractions and you see it, uh, when I'm visualizing, I'm seeing what I would be seeing with a head cam, right? It's kind of like uh, what I would see when I'm actually on the sled and you don't only visualize uh, the perfect run. I mean, it's important to do that, but you also want to visualize escape routes. What happens if I'm too late into curve one? How am I going to fix it? What if I'm a little bit too early? And so you have, if you, once you visualize the escape routes on every single curve, which would be contingency plans for, for somebody else, right? Uh, plan B, plan C. What if things don't, you know, <laughs> don't come at me like I expected? Well, that prepares you mentally and that gives you confidence that, hey, I can handle whatever this track throws at me. So visualization is huge. Um, even before my first Olympics, I might have been jogging. I might have been lifting weights, might have been walking down the, the mall, eating dinner. But you know what I thought about all the time, Dan? Uh, I could see myself walk into that opening ceremonies and I could see the people cheering and I could I could see the Olympic flag and I could turn over my shoulder and see the Olympic torch behind me. I could hear the Olympic anthem. I could feel the snow hitting my face and the high fives, you know, slapping against my hand. And so. Uh, four years later, 
when I actually got to walk into the opening ceremonies, it was just like I imagined it, only a hundred times better. <laughs> See, the, the mind can't tell the difference between something that you vividly imagine with all your heart and all your soul and all your senses and all your passion. It can't tell the difference between that and something that's actually happening. So when you go through that little exercise, what's it going to feel like? What's it going to taste like? What's it going to be like when I finally make my dream come true? You get strong inside. You start walking differently. You talk differently. Uh, all of a sudden, people that make fun fun uh, about your dream, uh, they disappear from your life. You know, They're, They'll go after somebody that's weak. And all of a sudden, you start attracting uh, resources that were there before, but they weren't coming to you before because everybody wants to help a winner. Everybody wants to help somebody that believes. And so it all starts with that visualization because it really gets you into that mental state that uh, prepares you to, you know, take action and really go for it. That's awesome. So, um, in, in, uh, in, in your, uh, uh, your visualization process as you're, as you're going through it, you're, um, you're obviously, you know, in it to win it. But at the same time, I'm just thinking what came to mind is, um, you know, when you push off at the top, you're all in, right? No matter what, you're going down, you know, whether, yeah, you, whether you want to no or not. Breaks. You're going down one right. way or the other. Yeah, there's no way to stop that thing. So, <laughs> um, and, um, you know, and, and I think that, that it's, uh, you know, I know that it's really important because, you know, we talk about dream building in the industry. We talk about, you know, visualize, visualize, visualizing what you want. Um, and, uh, you know, also in the, uh, you know, I, I want to say that and I don't say this like I'm a pro, but from a, um, from a perspective of, uh, you know, in the golf game, you know, visualize, visualizing where the ball is going to go. Um, it's kind of, you know, similar, um, in that instance that, um, you know, you're, you're really, uh, going through every possible scenario, not just, you know, what the wind's going to look like, but, you know, perhaps if some challenges come up. So that's pretty cool that you went through that process. So obviously it takes a certain level of courage, right, to, to do what you've done um, and, and uh, really pushing through. So, you know, how can you become unstoppable on the way to your goals and dreams? You know, uh, courage doesn't mean you're fearless, right? We kind of covered that already. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Courage just means that you're still willing to act in spite of your fear. And so I wrote a book called The Courage to Succeed. And uh, the reason I, I titled it that way is because I believe that no matter what your, your goal is, what your dream is, it might be graduate from high school, it might be double your business, it might be start a business, it might be lose 15 pounds, whatever your goal is, fill in the blank, you got to have two types of courage. You got to have the courage to get started, right? Sooner or later, you got to stop talking about it and you got to dive in there and, and do it. And then you, everything's tough at the beginning because you, you, you need new skills, right? And you got that fear going on. And so you have to have the courage to endure, the courage to not quit. Now, the courage to get started comes from believing it's possible. If you believe something's possible, hey, I'll give it a shot. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in there. Now, if you, um, if, the courage to uh, to not quit, that comes from your desire. If, if you want something badly enough, ain't nothing going to make you quit. And, uh, the you know, the most common example that, that, that you know, that, that I've ever heard uh, is, you know, if your house is burning down, you're not going to go in there and, and risk getting burned up to get your laptop. But if your babies are there, man, you'll you'll run through walls. Right. And so um, and so what's the difference? Well, the difference was your desire, your desire to save your kids made it a difference and, and made you act more courageously. 
So at the Olympic Training Center, um, a lot of the mental uh, training that they do is designed to get you to believe more, right? Believe that it's possible. Hey, Ruben, you can do it, man. Look at these guys. Uh, you know, if they can do it, definitely you can. And also to um, uh, to fuel your desire. Man, the Salt Lake City Olympics is going to be great. You know, the U.S. Olympic uh, spirit is the best in the world, man. You don't want to miss this one. Come on, get back in the game. Let's do it. And so they paint a picture for you and make you hungry for it. And so, uh, so, so that's, that helps you with your courage. That, that's awesome. So, so I got to ask this question, how many, you know, going through the, you know, the training process that you went through, how many coaches did you have? That's a great question. You know, no one, no one's ever asked me that. Uh, when I got started and I went to Lake Placid, uh, at first they wouldn't take me, um, uh, because I was too old. They said, man, you should be, you should have 10 years experience at your age. You know, we start them off when they're 10 years old. What, are you crazy coming in at 21? I wouldn't take no for an answer. And I, and I got myself in there. So the first coach I had was actually the U.S. junior team coach. Uh, his name was Dimitri. Dimitri Feld, and he was from, um, from Russia. And this guy was so much fun. I mean, he was a great kid coach because he made it fun. And in fact, my kids, they do judo at the Olympic Training Center here at the uh, at, at, here in Colorado Springs. And something that they always do is they make sure they're serious. Right. And they're very goal oriented and, and they won't put up with, uh, you know, with slacking. But at the same time, they make it fun. They're always including games in there because the, if, as long as it's fun, you'll stay in the game. You'll you'll stay in it long enough to learn those skills, especially at the beginning when it's so tough. So the first four years through my first Olympics, my coach was Dimitri. And then the International Luge Federation, they decided to create a uh, a development team for small countries. I was born in Argentina, and so I competed for Argentina. And so the U.S., they agreed to help me out the first four years because they said, we're looking for more countries uh, in this sport because we're always on the verge of getting kicked out of the Olympics because uh, we don't have enough countries to do the luge, and we need some people in South America. So they said, if you, you know, we'll coach you, we'll train you. You still have to qualify. You still have to go to the World Cup races, and you have, you know, unless you're in the top 50 in the world, you're not going, right? You got to make it. But, um, but after the, after my first Olympics, the International Luge Federation got smart and they created a, a development team for small countries. And so uh, they brought in this coach, and he was a top top coach. He was three time world champion, four time Olympian. And uh, it's, it's like getting coached by by Michael Jordan. And this guy was from Austria and his name was Gunter, Gunter Lemmer. And uh, Gunter was my coach through the Salt Lake City Olympics. So the, the, the next two. And then when I went to and then he 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 got out of the sport, uh, he got into business and he just stopped coaching. And so uh, uh, when I was competing for the um, or training for the Vancouver Olympics, the 2010 games, uh, I had a brand new coach. And uh, I'd actually competed with him um, in, in the Albertville Olympics, but now he was a coach, and uh, and he was from Romania, and his name was uh, Jan Jan Apostol. So there's lots of coaches, and sometimes and it's a very small, close knit community uh, since it's such a small sport that um, there's always people willing to help. So for example, when when I was going training for the uh, Vancouver Games, when I went to Latvia for uh, when I first came back after six years of no luge, I went to Latvia and there was nobody there. And I went a couple of weeks early just to to to, uh, you know, get my feet wet. 
and um and, and the local coach he helped me out until until the other coaches showed up so um so there's a lot of helping they help you enough to to be able to do well but not enough to uh beat their team <laughs> so, <laughs> so i'll take it that's that's awesome so you know i mean because obviously uh you know having a coach is really important in life um and uh you know so many people you know um you know, have a dream to go do something, whether, you know, just like you even shared earlier, you had a, a coach for your speaking, uh, you know, the speaking industry that you're in now. Um, so it's really important. And you, you, you obviously understand the value of, of finding people that have done what you want to be able to do uh, to accelerate your, your growth and your level of success in that area. So, um, uh, you know, it's a no like brainer. I mean, uh, the yeah. higher you go in sports, uh, and, and in corporate America, you know, CEOs have more coaches than, than frontline people because they understand. And you have different coaches for different things, right? You know, you might have your pastors, your spiritual coach. You might have a, a, a financial planners, your finance coach. And you might have somebody else that coaches you somewhere else. So, so you, um, you have coaches that specialize. And uh, it's like an like your own board of directors, right? It's it's your your inner team that 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 helps you reach your goals faster. It's uh, just a no brainer. Absolutely. So so at uh, at forty seven years old, you competed in the Vancouver Games, and obviously, you know, I, I guess going into that, believing that that was going to be your last run, what was that like? <laughs> it, it was great. I mean, it was. Um, <sighs> I had taken a six-year break. I hadn't taken a single lose run in six years, and then I, I got bored. I'd, I'd been for six years. I had been building my speaking business uh, really, you know, uh, full time. And uh, after six years, you know, it's, the business was running well, so I needed a challenge. And I found out that no one had ever done four four Olympics each in a different decade in the winter. I thought, hey, this is great. You know, this will be a cool, cool thing to do. And so um, so I got back into it and I made it by the skin on my teeth. I mean, I barely made it, but I made it. I got to play with the big boys and uh, everybody thought I was a coach. It's so funny because I was older than, you know, <laughs> twice as old as most of the athletes. But um, but it was great, you know. And uh, one of the things that I like to do is I, when, when I when I speak, whether it's, you know, most of most of my gigs are at, are for corporate groups and sales kickoffs and things like that. Uh, and when I speak to a group, my goal is, you know, they, 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 uh, they introduce you as an Olympian and people tend to put you up on a pedestal. Well, I'm no good to them up there. So the whole time I'm using self-deprecating humor because I've got to get them to realize that, Hey, I'm like your neighbor, man. I'm like Opie Taylor got to go to the Olympics. And once they realize that, and my goal is when they when, when they leave my talk, I want them thinking, man, if that guy can go to the Olympics even one time, we can do anything. I want to be do for them what Scott Hamilton did for me. You know, kicked in that that belief. Right. So, um, uh, I guess uh, with this question, I want to hear your definition of how you define success. It's funny, you know, it has nothing to do with what you drive or how big your house is, uh, unless that's what's important to you, right? Uh, success is reaching your goal. Uh, if your goal was to eat the whole pizza all by yourself, you know, the, the, the extra large pizza and you did it, now you got a stomach ache and you were successful at your goal. <laughs> if your goal <laughs> was not to eat it because you're trying to lose weight, then if you didn't eat it, then you were successful at your goal, right? So success, I... Uh, I, I tell people, figure out what's your dream, what's your goal. And if you have trouble figuring it out, 
what what was your goal? What did you want to do when you were 10, 12, 13 years old? Because that's when we were all dreamers, right? And so maybe you wanted to play in the NFL, you know, and well, and now you're either a non-athlete or you're too old or whatever. Well, you could work. You could be a, you know, a football coach for you for for your neighborhood or you could work the front office at your at, at your football club you know as long as you're in you know in that uh surrounded by by uh, your dream yeah, you, you're successful in my book that's awesome so so what's the one quality all successful people have it's perseverance no doubt um because perseverance is an equalizer uh, i don't care how talented you are if you're a quitter you're not going to be successful, but uh, you don't have to be the best. But if you persevere and if you uh, if you're smart about it, right, you know, if you have a coach or if you follow a good plan, you're um, uh, you'll you'll get so much further. When I was a kid, my dad got me to read biographies. He said, Ruben, if you'll study the lives of great people, you'll figure out what works and what doesn't work in life because success leaves clues. And so. Uh, I read a bunch of biographies and I love them because uh, they're all stories of people that chase their dreams and how they did it. Well, the one common denominator of every biography I ever read uh, was perseverance. I mean, these people refused to quit because they wanted it so badly. Uh, that's just what, you know, if they reached that, that goal, they were going to die happy. Right. <laughs> so um, I, I read a, when I was in high school, I read this um, this um survey they surveyed a, a bunch hundreds of 80 year old people octogenarians and they asked them what are your biggest regrets in life and number 1 and number 2 was not were number 1 was not taking enough risks you know playing life too safely they were they, they were sorry that they, they they played it too safe and the other one was not spending enough time with their family and so back in high school i made a decision that hey when I'm 80 years old, I'm not going to have either one of those regrets. And so we homeschool our kids. We're around them all the time. In fact, my daughter, Gabriella, is sitting here in my office listening to, to the podcast. And my son's running around the house, too. And um, and as far as taking risks, uh, that one's easy. You know, I just decided, hey, whenever I have a choice, I'll go with a riskier choice. That way, at the end of, the game, of my game, I won't be able to say that I played it too safe. And it's so much fun. It's so interesting to live your life that way because it's like running to daylight all the time. And uh, you're always going, hopping from opportunity to opportunity. And it's funny. People, average people, they call you lucky all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is true. They don't see all the hard work that goes into it. <laughs> Absolutely. They only see the results. Um, so, so is there one person in your life that, that, that's influenced you the most? You know what? My parents, I'd say, influenced me the, the most and in different ways. Uh, my dad always got me to read the biographies and, and he, he, he was always about, you know, hanging, hanging around. Who are you going to hang around with and the books you read? He was like Charlie Tremendous Jones, you know, the books you read and the people you hang around with, that's going to determine whether you make a dream come true or not. And he kept me, uh, down that path. And, um, and my mom, he um, and my dad was an engineer, so so he was very, uh, you know, um, uh, analytical about how to get from point A to point B. My mom, she was more of a dreamer. She would always tell me stories about how my great grandparents, how they left uh, Italy. You know, they just left everything behind to go to Argentina because that was a land of opportunity back then, you know, around World War One. And then how my grandma, she lived in a little tiny uh, city and uh, a little tiny town, actually, like a thousand people, but she wanted to live in the big city. So she left her family and 
all her sisters, and she, she went to the big city. And then my parents, they, they came to the United States when I was six years old uh, looking for more opportunity, right? And we lived in Houston uh, for all that time. And all my life I lived in Houston. And uh, I couldn't stand the heat. So five years ago, we moved to Colorado Springs, and the mountains were up at 7,400 feet. And uh, absolutely love it here. And, uh, and I tell everybody, man, if my great grandparents had just moved to Colorado, we'd all save a lot of time. <laughs> but, but she always pointed out how they were willing to uh, let go, right, of something that was good in order to get something that was great. So how they were dreamers. And so that coupled, my dad showed me the how to and my mom showed me that we were supposed to be dreamers. So that 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 made a huge difference in my thinking. That's awesome. So. um is there uh, one thing that you can share with the audience to help them get all in in life and really step up? You know, uh, I would say you have to believe in your heart that you were uh, created. God created you for for uh, for achievement. You know, uh, we're made in his image. We have you have whatever it takes to make your dream come true. It's not going to be hard, easy. It's going to be hard. Right. But if you dedicate your life to to the pursuit of your dream, you can make it. It's possible. And so uh, uh, believe that it's possible. So, so you'll so you'll have that that courage to get started and then, uh, you know, and, and then work on that desire so you can have the courage to to um, to, to persevere. And it'll be a matter of time. You'll make it. And uh, and then if you do that, you will have made your life an adventure. I mean, you'll be able to look back and and just smile and think, man, it was all worth it. That's awesome. So do you have a favorite quote? Yeah, uh, I've got a lot of favorite quotes, but one of my favorites, in fact, I actually uh, got it laminated and I've got it right in front of me here in my in my office, uh, is uh, it's from George Patton. He's one of my favorite guys because he was so tough, you know. Uh, George Patton, he said, if you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> Don't just stop there. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> that's a great one. Uh, that's awesome. So, so how um, how would you define your purpose or calling? You know, I whenever I'm speaking to a group of people, I feel like I'm exactly like I felt when my kids were about a year old and they were learning how to walk. I knew they could walk. There's nothing wrong with them. They got what it takes, but they didn't know, and so they're falling down. And I say, "Come on, baby, you can get up. Come on, get up. You can do it. I believe in you." And and they take two steps. And come on, baby, come on. Let's let's do it one more time. And they take three steps. And before long, they're running all over the house. And so that's how I feel when I'm talking to a bunch of people. Because coming where I came from, uh, you know, non-athlete, got to go to the Olympics, uh, uh, never took a speech class in my life, and I'm a professional speaker for all over the world, made C's in English and I'm a best-selling author. I mean, give me a break. If somebody like me can do that stuff, they can definitely uh, reach their goals and dreams. So uh, my purpose is just to help people uh, realize their goals and dreams. That's awesome. So how do people get in touch with you? You know, I've got um, uh, the, the best way is go to RubenUniversity.com, RubenUniversity.com, or uh or if you can't spell like I can't, you can just do RubenU.com. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's, there's some really good um, programs there. Uh, if you want to, uh, you know, uh, get some help with uh, learning all your success principles. And uh, I've got three. I've got a bronze, silver, and gold program, depending on where you're at. And, um, and if you just want to get started and just kind of check it out, 
I've got tons of really good videos there uh, that teach you, um, you know, what I did to get to the Olympics and how following those principles will help you reach your goals. And there's a newsletter and a blog. I mean, there's tons of stuff there. Uh, I've been a voracious reader all my life, and whenever I read something good, I, I uh, like to share it with everybody. Uh, so there's something for people that want something for free, and if you want to invest more in your in, in your dreams and goals, um, uh, check out those programs too, RubenU.com. Well, thank you very much, Ruben, for sharing your time with us today. I, I really greatly appreciate it, and I'm honored that you took the time to do so. Um, uh, with that said, I, I, I have to just ask this one question <laughs> um, before we close out. Um, the you know the the whole goal of getting to the Olympics and and um, you know that that whole environment. What, it, I want to hear in your words what it was like for you getting there. Yeah, well, getting there, being there, that whole environment, yeah, what the Olympics are really about. It's amazing. Uh, you know, the Olympics, uh, it, for me, it was never about the medal. I, I just wanted to be in the club. I just wanted to be one of those guys, uh, and and they got to go. And and it was all about the opening ceremonies for me. And when you go to the Olympics, you know, uh, um, my gosh, nobody's walking. Everybody's floating around with a silly grin on their face because they worked their tails off and they finally made it, right? And uh, and you feel so, so proud. You feel so happy. And at the same time, you feel kind of sad for, for your friends that didn't make it. Right. But um, it, it, it's amazing. And it's so good. I mean, it's so it's such a high that after the first two Olympics, I um, a lot of athletes, including myself, for about three months, I went into a depression because it's like, how am I going to top this? What am I going to do now? I just made my dream come true. Now what? Right. And so it's it, what what I learned from that and um, and is that you when you're when you're getting close to one dream, you better start thinking and you better start working on your next one. Right. That way you don't go through that that uh, postpartum depression. Right. And so when I about a month before the Salt Lake City Olympics, my third one, this kid asked me to be his show and tell project in school. And when I came back from the Olympics, I went and spoke at a school and the principal said, man, you're bearing the people we pay. You need to do this for a living. And so three days later, I, I quit my job and I figured if I can sell a copying machine, I can sell a Reuben, too. And I started building a, a speaking business. So that kept me busy on a brand new dream. Uh, for six years. And so I never felt depressed after the third Olympics. And after the fourth one, I, you know, I, I, I already knew I got to have another goal. So I was working on another goal. So it's really important. Uh, you know, one goal leads to another. Don't just stop. That, that's definitely uh, really important. So I appreciate you sharing that. So um, once again, uh, you know, um, you know, go ahead and grab uh what you know the resources that Ruben has? He has lots of great info, especially with your free videos. There's there's a lifetime of training in there. Uh, so I, I I appreciate your time, Ruben, and uh, appreciate your you uh, sharing with the audience. And uh, you know, for those of you out there ready to step up and get all in, you know, go out and make your dreams happen. I look forward to uh, seeing the results and sharing them with us. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks for again, having me Ruben. again. Take care, Dan. For more information on the links and resources recommended in this show please visit allinpodcast.com.